Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the wonderful gift of this opportunity to worship together, both face to face and online. Pour down your Holy Spirit on us. Help us to recognize what it means to be your disciples, to be living in your kingdom, to be living full of grace and to be relying on your love and grace. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. As we reflect on your word today, help us to see your perspective of life and not to hold on to our perspective that is that sometimes is not consistent with yours. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Our focus for today is life with Jesus, generously given and not earned. Generously given and not earned. It's a great reminder for each of us that our relationship with God is one that's based on what God does for us and not what we do. However, saying that, most of us understand that. Most of us, when we see the cross, remember that it's Christ who gives us salvation. But because we live in a world where it's all about what you do, how much you earn and what you deserve, we sometimes forget that. We sometimes forget the practicalities of that. And that's what we're going to look at today as part of our sermon, that life with Jesus is one about living in this atmosphere where we live in the atmosphere where God generously gives and we don't earn it. And it has some practical ramifications for who we are, how we live and how we relate to others. From Matthew chapter 20, verses 15 to 16, we hear, the master said, don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? Jesus says, so the last will be first and the first will be last. As we begin to look at this text today, there's a couple of questions I'd like you to think about and to ponder about. The first is this, if our relationship with God is based on his generosity and not what we do, how does this change the way we live? How does this alter the way we relate to God and how does this alter the way we relate to others? The second question is, how can I reflect God's way of life and just generosity in the world I live? How can I reflect that it's about what God does for me and what God does for my neighbour, not about what we have to do to earn that relationship with God? Probably the saddest thing that I see as a pastor from time to time is I sometimes say to people, oh, I haven't seen you at church for a while. What's up? Something happened. Oh, no, I'm saved. I don't have to go to church every Sunday. I don't have to be part of the faith every Sunday. Now, some people have good reasons why they may not be at church every Sunday. But that sort of approach, that sort of thinking is a very worldly thinking. Our story today encourages us and reminds us to see life different from God's perspective, to see life that even though God's done it all for us, for us to be part of, regularly part of and active in his kingdom. Because God is generous, he will call all of us to be active. The master said, don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money 
Or are you envious because I am generous? Jesus says, so the last will be first and the first will be last. To understand this text, you need, we need to understand where it's placed and why Jesus may have told this parable. In Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 to 22, in some of the preceding verses, it's a story of a, a rich man who comes to Jesus and he acts and thinks that he's done enough to gain eternal life. You know, I haven't, I haven't uh, failed in this commandment. I haven't failed in this commandment. No, I'm pretty good. But Jesus, tell me, what do I need to do to gain eternal life? And Jesus then puts him on the spot. Jesus tells him to sell everything, give it to the poor, and then follow him. The rich man walks away disillusioned. And he walks away disillusioned because his love of money is greater than his love of Jesus. He has a love for Jesus. He has a love for God. But his love for money is greater than his love for Jesus. And at this point, I'd like you to think about, is there anything in your life where you have a greater love of money, people, something else, than a love of Jesus? This little story is a good reminder that we can have a love of Jesus, but it may be a small love compared to we have a love for something else. In Matthew chapter 19, verses 23 to 26, we then see the next part of this background that helps us understand today's reading. The disciples then begin to be worried, and they're now worried about who can be saved because they can see that Giving up stuff is very difficult. And Jesus makes a statement that sometimes is misused. He basically says, with man this is not possible, but with God it is. And what he's talking about there is salvation. Right? That we, if it depended on us, we would fail. If God said to us, here's the deal. If he went, Neil, here's your rules for salvation. Follow those. And you'd be right. It is guaranteed we will fail because he has given us those rules. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength all the time and love others as much as you love yourself all the time. But God informs us here and he's informing the disciples that eternal life is possible if you trust in God, if you're focused on God. And then the last part of chapter 19, from verses 27 to 30, the disciples have heard that and they've followed Jesus, they've left everything and followed them. And so you can get a sense, you may get a sense that disciples may be pretty chuffed. We're pretty good. You know, we've left everything. You know, Matthew is the tax collector. He's left his job as a tax collector, but he earned money. Peter's left his job. You know, the brother, the fishermen have left their job and they've all followed Jesus, just like he's asked. And so they could be pretty confident, but then they ask this question, Peter, on behalf of the disciples, and whenever you see Peter ask a question, it's often not just a personal question, he's often asking on behalf of the disciples. Peter now raises the question, what will there be for the disciples who have left everything? 
In other words, God, just tell us what are our rewards? What are, how are you going to treat us better because we have left everything? And then he makes this odd statement to them. He says, you will sit on 12 thrones judging 12 tribes of Israel and you will inherit eternal life. And then he makes a statement that we also hear something similar at the end of today's reading. Jesus says, many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. And so you can see today's story has this setting where the disciples may be thinking they're going to have a better life than others, that the rich man may be thinking he's going to have a better life than others because of what he's done. The disciples are thinking they've got a better life than others because basically they're the ones that have given something up. So Jesus tells this parable to the disciples to realign their thinking, to help them think more godly and less humanly. A couple of other things to keep in mind um, when we look at today's passage is this. The Mediterranean culture of the day was simply this. Everything is very limited. If someone else receives something, I'll miss out. Many people up until recently in the Western world, in particular in Australia and America, oh, if I, don't, if I miss out today, I'll get it tomorrow. Well, in the Mediterranean culture of Jesus' time, it was very much this. Everything is very limited. Everything's scarce. And so if someone else gets something, I will miss out. The other thing to keep in mind is a denarius is a day's pay. Right? And the last thing which helps us see what Jesus may be encouraging us to think about is the vineyard, that the image of the vineyard is often used by Jesus in his parables to talk about God's kingdom, God's church. And when we're talking about church, we're not talking about the institutional church, we're talking about God's people who follow Jesus. And so there's that background that also plays into today's reading. And so when we look at the first verse, we hear, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. I don't know if this strikes you, but when you hear this, it's a reminder that Jesus invites us to be part of his kingdom, to be not just part of his kingdom receiving something, but to be part of his kingdom of being actively working in his kingdom. All of us who are Christians have been called to to be part of Jesus' kingdom. One where we're blessed with the gifts of eternal life and salvation because what he has done. But there's also another part of the story where he's inviting us to be active, to be doing stuff in his kingdom, to be reflecting who he is. And so a question I invite you to think about is this. How has and is God calling you to be part of and active in his kingdom, his church. How is God calling you not just to come and receive and be reminded that your sins are forgiven, but also to be part of his kingdom in distributing his grace and forgiveness, his generosity in the world? Because if the vineyard is an image for the kingdom, part of this story is Jesus is inviting his inviting people to be part of his kingdom, but also to be active, 
in his kingdom, to work in his kingdom. He's going to give us something in return for working in his kingdom, but it's not based on what the world does or how the world goes about paying people. Second point comes from, or part of this to remember, is that the work we do, what we receive from God as being part of his kingdom, is dependent on his generosity. It's not in return for our efforts. It's not in return for our commitment. It's not in return for our loyalty. Remember the words of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10. For it is grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Being part of God's kingdom is part of being active, not to get something in return. That's already been given to us. But to share his love, to share his generosity, to be thankful to God. And this can be a real challenge in a practical way. Think about how this may apply to your Christian faith, how it may apply to your life in the church. One of the challenges that I occasionally come across as a pastor is I get people who say, Pastor, I have been a member of this church for 30 years. You should listen to me above everybody else. Or, Pastor, you need to know, you know, I give so much money to this church, more than most others, so you should listen to me above everyone else. Now, it's not that I'm not going to listen to people like that. But it's that last one. You should listen to me above everyone else. What we do in the church, what you do in the church, is in response to God's grace and mercy, not to receive something in return and not to expect some favours. Another way that it's worked occasionally is, oh, Pastor, we need to play these songs because I'm a member of the church and there's other songs that you're playing, oh, they're not kind of, they're more suitable for, for newer people, not the older people. But the truth is that sort of thinking is all about a self-focused thinking, a thinking that says, because I've done this, I should receive something. And yet that's not the approach that Jesus is encouraging us here in today's parable. We re- what we receive from God is dependent on God's generosity, not on what we do, not on what we have done, not on how we have approached life. And that's the big difference between worldly thinking and kingdom Jesus thinking. And part of this means that some people will be Christians and active in the church all their life. And then there'll be others who are only Christians for a very short time. But here's the truth. God treats and blesses us with the same gift. He gives us all eternal life. He gives us all salvation. From the parable we hear, the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those who came 
who were first hired, they expected to receive more. Now remember, they were promised to Daenerys, those who were first hired, but now they expected to receive more. But each of one of them also received a denarius. Now, from a worldly perspective, if we put our worldly union hat or business hat on, what we think is that those who receive first should have received more money than those who were hired last. But when it comes to the way God works with us, when it comes to the way that God uses his blessings, that's not the case. God gives us all the same blessings of eternal life regardless of whether we've been a Christian all our life or whether we've been a Christian only for a few moments. And this parable also highlights something that's important for us in the, where we are focused. We will see blessings when our focus is on Jesus, when our focus is on God but we will be envious when our eyes are on others. And in fact, the Greek meaning of the word envy that we read in the, the, New Test, the English New Testament actually means that we have developed evil eyes. The envious here means that when we look at what others are getting, we develop evil eyes. We develop those coveting eyes. What? It's not fair. I've worked all this hard. I've been a member of this church for so long. I've done all these things for God. And yet this person, who is new, seems to get the same treatment as me. From Matthew chapter 20, verses 10 to 12, we hear, so when those who, who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. Remember, that's exactly what God, the Master, had promised. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have, been, you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. And so the encouragement here for us is to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Because when we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, we see blessings. I'd like you to think about that this week. This week in your, your work, in your daily life, in your thing, think about all the blessings you have received. Just take time. Try to push out thoughts of other people, what they have received, but think about the blessings you have received. you'll probably also start to think, oh, yeah, but that person received this more. Well, that person received it better. That's when we've taken our focus of Jesus. When we think about, have our focus on Jesus and think about the blessings we've received, it's easier to be thankful. It's easier to be more focused on God and the work he's called us to do. And we become less resentful of God. You can see when we start to take our eyes off Jesus and focus on what others have received above us, how others may have a better life, two things happen. 
we become envious of them, but we also become disillusioned with God. And that's part of today's parable. And yet God blesses all people equally. And think about it from a salvation point of view. The reality is if God treated us as we deserve, none of us would receive anything. God treats us with his grace and his generosity. Now, this is a very challenging thing for people and particularly challenging when we hear of stories of people who have been anti-God, away from God all of their life, except in the last few moments of their life. And so I'd like to share you the story of a bedside conversion but two perspectives. There were three brothers. They were brought up in a Christian household, but one very early decided he wasn't going to be a Christian. And he went out and enjoyed life from a worldly perspective. He did things, he swore, he deliberately rebelled against his parents and the Christian life. The other two brothers stayed loyal to their mother and dad they also stayed loyal to Christianity. But this brother who rebelled was now on his deathbed. One of his brothers, and we'll call him John, came in and said to his brother who was dying, can I pray for you? He said, what's the point? I don't believe the stuff. But you can, if you want, waste your time. So John sat there and prayed for him. Ask God to care for him. Ask God to look after him. And ask God to even change his heart. And then over the next couple of weeks, he just shared about God's love and generosity. He shared the story of the prodigal son. He shared the story of how the psalm, like we heard earlier, how God is always compassionate. He shared the story of Jonah, where God showed compassion on people even though Humans didn't always. And two days before he died, the gentleman said, will God forgive me? If he does, I'll have faith. I'll trust in him. I'm sorry for everything I've done. Brother John, his brother John was elated. He was thankful. He said, this is everything I've been looking forward to in life. I've been praying for this regularly. How his other brother, Tim, when he heard the news, said, that's not right. How dare he's gone out and enjoyed life all the time. He's gone and done whatever he wanted. How dare he expect that God is going to receive him? And he was quite angry. And John's response to Tim, I am so thankful that God is a generous God, that he forgives even our brother, not because our brother has done anything special, but because God has been constantly compassionate and generous and never gave up on him like he never gives up on us. You see, the story of God's relationship with us is not about what we do, but he does call us to be involved 
in his kingdom, his work. He does call us to be involved in sharing his grace and love with others. Not to gain something from him, but to bless others in his name. And so what are some of the practicalities from today's parable, today's reading for us? First of all, is let's live life recognising how generous God is to you and to others. Keep remembering that God is always compassionate, always loving to you and to others. Secondly, recognise that everything we have is because God has given. God is generous. God's nature is to give to us. Now, this is where some people go, ah, if that's the case, I can do whatever I want. I can be, I can sit back because God's doing all the work. But God's way of working in the world is to say, come on, Mercedes, come on, Virginia, come on, Jimmy, come and join me in this kingdom work. Come and share this kingdom work. Come on, Neil, come and be part of my kingdom work of sharing his love, sharing his grace, not because you're going to get rewarded anymore, but because you already have been rewarded with the best reward ever, eternal life that Jesus has made possible. And so be active in God's kingdom. Be active not to receive, but because God has already blessed you and has called you. And lastly, live with your heart, your eyes, your minds on Jesus, not on others. Look at what God has given you. Be thankful for that. Appreciate the gift that God has given you. Because life with Jesus is about helping everyone we know know about and receive life with God forever. when we share God's grace, when we share God's love, when we be active in the world with who God is, this is totally dependent on God's grace. Remember, God is calling us to be part of his kingdom, a kingdom where it's about what he does for us, what he does for our neighbour, what he does for others, so they can experience God's grace and love And remarkably, they experience it through you. May you go with the love and grace that God has given you. May you go trusting that what Jesus has done has secured you eternal life, has given you the best reward ever. But may you also go sharing that generosity, reflecting that generosity to all who you meet. Go in his peace and go with his love. Amen.